Welcome to The Millionaire's Lawyer, where you'll hear leading professionals share expert advice on how to grow your business and sell it for maximum profitability. If you want to learn lawyer-proven strategies for building and exiting your business, then this is the podcast for you. Your host, J.P. McAvoy, is a business lawyer, college professor, and best-selling author who has been assisting clients start, grow, and sell their businesses for millions of dollars for over 15 years. Will yours be the next? Now here's your host, J.P. McAvoy. Hello and welcome to The Millionaire's Lawyer. Thanks for joining us. We've got a great show today. A fellow attorney, Brett Tremblay, joins us. He's a lawyer practicing in Florida. Interesting time for him to be practicing there. We'll talk about that. He's also the owner of a business called Get Staffed Up, which is an onboarding and working with virtual assistants, helping you grow your own business, both law firms and other service-oriented businesses. We had a great chat during the time of COVID and the hotbed of COVID. Here's our conversation with Brett Tremblay. Brett, thanks for joining us today from, I don't know if we want to say it, but the, the center, the hot spot of COVID-19. Give us an update. What's going on in Miami, Florida? I guess even though I'm in my home, JP, I should be wearing a mask, right? Trying to set a good example <laughs> right. from, from the new hot spot. apparently. It sounds crazier, I'm guessing, in the media and on the news than it is here because our team had our Zoom meeting this morning and people aren't talking about it. We're not freaking out. I don't know anyone that has it or anyone that knows anyone that has coronavirus so far. We've had scares, people getting sick, but now everyone, when they get sick, they think it's got to be the coronavirus, which I'm with you. That has to be terrifying, but I don't know how to explain it. We're taking it seriously, but it's not this zombie apocalypse, walking dead type scenario as I think it's being made to seem. And hopefully the death rate continues to be very low compared to the positive number of tests. Yeah, that's it, right? So it's a death rate. I mean, it's it's scary, but it's working itself through. We'll continue to do so. Uh, Hopefully we come out of this in the most positive way possible. Amazing to watch the impact on business. Obviously that impacts both your business, my business, and uh, those of the clients we work with. How are people, I guess it's a range that it's going to affect businesses differently depending on the business. But as we discuss those, how are you seeing the range of businesses be affected in your area? I read, and of course, there's no way to verify this. So when I say I read, like I don't have the ability to go verify, but that Miami business was down 40% across the board. Wow. This is about a month ago. Mm-hmm. I think that sounds a little high. Of course, I own and run a business law firm called Tremblay Law Firm. And we have lots of clients in the all over all different ranges of industries, but in the travel and the events and the ticket industries and almost belly up overnight, you know, have to lay off or furlough every employee and cut all expenses and just basically hope, hold on to reopen someday. Restaurants have been hit hard, but they haven't been shut down completely. So that's pretty weird because you walk into a restaurant to do takeout. I mean, I'm sure this is everywhere, but you wear a mask and then No one's in the restaurant, so it's just like a takeout service. So I haven't been out of Miami in a while, but other people who have left say that outside of Miami, for example, nobody's wearing masks, where here it's very common to see people wearing masks. So I wonder in in kind of the smaller city America what people are doing, but I guess a small digression. So businesses have been hit hard. We I was just telling you earlier, we have a call set up with a guy that owns a movie theater and a bunch of other people and they they were ready to, to sue and how dare we get shut down again. And then a week later, Miami's the hot spot. So they're like, okay, well, I guess we can be reasonable and pull back. But people have, they're tied into this emotionally and economically. And, and it's very hard to, you, you like, you don't, 
why is my whole business being shut down because of some pandemic? I think it's a hard thing to accept. Yeah. And it almost goes to the hierarchy of needs, doesn't it? Because as you say, you know, things get shut down, but people, some people are going to be confronted with a situation where they're going to have trouble putting food on the table, right? Their businesses are yeah. being shut down and you know, they're going to really struggle. So obviously, you know, a lot of ways to be sympathetic to those type of people and trying to respond to the needs that they have. Do you find that it's creating, it's interesting, I've seen the same thing, a line of legal work that maybe you hadn't anticipated, even the type of question you, you receive from the theater owner, but new clients coming in, I guess there'll be certainly some that are looking for ways to deal with the issues and how to deal with employment issues and things like that. Yeah. But, but are you yeah. getting questions from people that, I don't want to say take advantage of, but they recognize the times and they, as entrepreneurs, see that this is creating a situation that creates some business needs and business cases and they're responding accordingly. Are you getting any of those type of questions right now? So the first way I understood your question is this just creating like new issues and the answer yes. is definitely yes, right? So we've got, when, when the PPP issue came out, I mean, it was like our website tripled in traffic and we were putting out a lot of free information and, and we weren't charging for it. We were just helping people because you apply through your bank, you didn't really need to hire an attorney to fill out the application it was a total mess early on, but but then it started working itself out. Questions about that. Now there's questions about how do we return? What are our legal obligations? If an employee says they're sick, can we cut their hours? Is there automatic? I mean, there's so many different laws that have been passed to help protect employees through this thing. Now the big one is, well, if I tell my employees they have to come back and one of them gets sick, am I liable? So can we do a waiver? And is a waiver enforceable? So there's a litany of issues that unfortunately I can't say okay, everything's black and white. Here are all the yes, no answers that you would like to know as a business owner. That's just it, isn't it, Brett? As an attorney, you can appreciate that. I do as well because people are looking for these black and white answers, but obviously we can't. These are evolving issues. The, the law yeah. tends to be quite slow in keeping up. So we're giving opinions on things, giving you know, the best advice we can, but also by necessity qualifying and saying, well, I think this, and, and this is probably the way it will go. And this is what you need to do in response to be prepared for it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's a good way to put it. So I know, JP, a lot of your listeners are attorneys and a lot are non-attorneys, but case law, you know, means the issue has to happen and then somebody has to sue over it. And then it's got to be decided through, you know, summary judgment or trial, and then it's got to be appealed and then you get case law. So years later, things are kind of finally, you know, becoming more clear. So yeah, we're right. as clear we can give it. Yeah, it's very well put, Brett, yeah. as you say, as you describe the actual process, right? And of course, we try to advise people or explain to them where we're at now, where it may be, and, and yeah. give them the best advice as a consequence. That's a great way, maybe a good place to segue into business. And, you know, we'll get through this as well. And for businesses, I know you work with businesses and law firms to assist them with their growth strategies and ways of, well, increasing, increasing the business. What are some of those strategies? What are some of the things that you'll coach an evolving law firm or an evolving business? So I was going to say, I want to be careful. I don't need to be careful. I just want to clarify. Coach is, is the wrong word. So mm -hmm. in the law firm, we have a very strong general counsel program. One of the first law firms 10 years ago, nine, I guess, that started really pushing this. Look, you need to be very good friends with a business lawyer, law firm, and you need good people to surround you as a business owner. So you need a good accountant. You need a good insurance advisor, and you need a good business law firm as part of your advisory team. And so we help businesses protect themselves as they grow to not have exposure points. And we developed a program called The Danger Zones, and we have a book coming out soon. I'm not promoting that book, but where we point out to all the people, look, you don't have your agreements. We haven't looked at them within the past year. You don't have the right venue selection clause. You don't have your employment agreements. You don't have the right insurance. 
you didn't trademark this new name and, and endeavor you came up with. And now we have a call later with the guy that's going to need to get into a big trademark dispute with, with one of the giants of America in the beverage industry because, you know, they didn't properly protect themselves. So that's what we do on the law firm. And, you know, I don't know, we're, we're on video here, but I'm wearing my get staffed up shirt. So when you mentioned working with law firms, my story going back to when I started the firm is I tried to do everything myself and I couldn't figure out how to grow and finally learn you have to delegate, you have to hire people, you have to get more people on your team to be able to do all the things you want to do. For example, JP, if you want to have more podcasts and meet more people, you can't spend all your time editing and sending promotional emails, right? You either need technology to help or you need people and sometimes both. And so I was afraid to hire because I didn't know if I could pay people. And, and then, you know, I was going to be embarrassed to fire them. So we got some mindset issues there. But what Get Staffed Up does is we provide virtual assistants, full-time virtual assistants for law firms. We say clerical virtual assistants, administrative virtual assistants, and marketing virtual assistants. So these are your high turnover positions that are very hard to fill in the U.S. People don't want to do the entry-level jobs. They don't pay that much. We save and we don't only work with law firms either. We have a lot of non-law firm clients, but we save business owners so much overhead and money on searching and finding and hiring people. And then we remain the employer on an ongoing basis. So we're also shielding you from the HR aspect. And there's the all the rules in the different countries and, and the taxes and the withholding. So you pay us, we pay your person, but you have a full-time quasi-employee, because really they're our employee, they're your staff are working for you full-time for pennies on the dollar. And, you know, I guess the proof is in, is in proof of product, right? Our business is absolutely exploding right now in a good way because people see it, they get it, and it's working. So word of mouth, and now you have everyone's working virtually anyway. So I hate to say it, but the coronavirus has really pushed us forward about 10 years. Yeah, you've heard a lot of people say that. A local company here, Shopify, well known to all, but they said just that uh, it's moved things forward 10 years. So okay. certainly we were going to where we are now because of the current situation, current climate. We've just done it that much more quickly, right? Yeah. Which is interesting. So your business or Get Staffed Up is a great place to be a growth industry right now. Yeah. And as you say, it's not yeah. just for law firms, it's for all businesses. It's one of the things that we talk about frequently on on this show is division of labor, ensuring that you are using your resources and not being scarce with those resources because generally growth is a good thing. And if you are able to bring people in that can assist with that growth, everybody's going to be better off for it. And it sounds like Everybody. that's what you've been able to do with the business. So how does it work more specifically? If somebody engages with you on the, the get staffed up front, just take us through the onboarding process, if you will. Sure. So you have a call with us, sign the contract, and we get to work on recruiting for you. We're going to have 5,000 people this quarter, JP, apply to work with us and only 50 will get a job. So that's a very, and we didn't make up those numbers. That's 1%. So only 1% of the people that ever apply to work for Get Staffed Up are employed by us. So we're finding the best of the best and we have a very in-depth recruiting process and we've got our own team of almost 15 people now, all in Latin America. And we are just finding ways to recruit really talented people. So then we put them in front of you, JP, for example, and you say, okay, I like this person or I don't. And that's like the first thumbs up, if you will. And you say, I want to interview this person or like my gut's telling me that that one's not for me. So when you get to the second part, we set up an interview and you interview that person. And 
if we have a good match, we pick a start date and you're off and running. We have a client happiness director that helps onboard and keeps that, you know, making sure the process is working and the technology. Just like you and I are here talking through Zoom, you would be talking to your new executive assistant. We call him administrative virtual assistant on Zoom. Hey, it's 8.30 a.m. on a Monday. I need you to do these 10 things. Get back to me by 1.30. Same thing. It's just use of technology, but with the, as we like to say, the economic and geographical arbitrage, you are paying you know, average. So we have three different price points. The middle point is $18.50 per month. Flat fee all in. You're not talking about overhead and withholding and parking and, and lunches and food and all the other things that add up. And so that person works your, during your business hours and they, re, they only work for you. Most people understand virtual assistants like, well, I, I need 20 hours, like piecemeal the hours. And then on, on the business end, you've got two things. You've got either a, a company in the Philippines, for example, that has just sardines packed into a building and they're trying to match hours and you different mm -hmm. people every day or, or call centers. Like we have a lot of clients that use ours just for a full-time receptionist because it's going to be cheaper anyway than reception service or depending on your call volume, right? And then they can have more capacity, but at least they know your clients and they know how to pronounce your name. I mean, people know when, when they're calling it. Yeah. Yeah, it becomes very obvious, right? So you've gone to the, yeah. the lens to ensure that there's, the, well, it's the higher level. It's a higher level of service you're providing than, than some of these other outfits, clearly. Much higher, right? Or then you have, in, you know, respectfully, the, the companies that are good here in the US that have the stay-at-home moms, for example, that want to work and they're very good. You're going to pay a premium. You're going to pay 30 to 40 bucks an hour, maybe as low as 25, which is fine if you only need five hours. My argument is what kind of business owner are you if you only need five, like, there's so many things we're not delegating in our daily lives that we could be and we should be. And what you said is true. There becomes a bottleneck and you hold things back and you're squeezing, you're choking your own growth because you're not fully thinking of all of the things that you should be, yes. not could, should be giving to other people. Yeah, that's, I mean, you mentioned before the danger zones. Maybe let's go through some of those in a little more detail because I think you just described one of the biggest failures that I see, right? A business starts to stagnate. I work with a lot of business owners that they're too set in their ways. And if a business is stagnating and stagnates for too long, it becomes unmarketable. And when I work with clients, I'm regularly discussing with them what their exit looks like. Even if they plan to be there for some period of time, they need to, do need to think about what their exit looks like. And they need to be considering how to be increasing value over the course of the time that they're with the business. If they're not doing that, they say they're, doing, they're getting into one of the danger zones as I see is a business is at risk of actually failing. And some of these businesses yeah. that fail, it's because just that, they're not taking the steps forward. You mentioned just that, that sort of bottleneck is one of the things. What are some of the other things that you'd cite as being, you know, if I'm using the term as you use it accurately, the danger zones for business owners to think about? Yeah. So on the legal side, because there's also the mindset side of just not investing and growing and that sort of thing. So the danger zones is, is really geared towards the legal side of things. But we also have a profit first component. I know people are starting to hear about profit first and now is not a great time to talk about profit. Most people are in so survival, survival mode. Yeah, really. But we had stashed away at the law firm so many for two and a half years now reserves that, I mean, yeah, everyone had pressure, but we were able to say, well, we've got X amount of time that even if we had $0 coming in, we're okay because we were being so fiscally responsible. So that is a big area is making sure that your finances are in order. A lot of business owners pay everyone else and whatever's left, they're sort of like reaching for the scraps, even though they're the business owner. 
And I don't think that's a healthy way to grow your business. It may feel like you're being altruistic and oh, I'm paying other people first. Yeah, but now you have an unhealthy business that doesn't guarantee them a job because if you go to business, now that's worse for them than if you had run the business the right way. But we talk about operating agreements, shareholder agreements, your internal infrastructure. The next category, for example, is outside contracts and vendor agreements and everything you're signing that gives you exposure and maybe you're getting into agreements or buying property or your commercial lease, et cetera. And then another category that we've identified anyway, because we have about 50 to, I guess we added a few more. So 55 items that can get you in trouble on our chart. And we, we sort of gang those up into five danger zones. So then the next one would be employment issues, which, mm-hmm. which is are huge, especially now business owners are targets for lawsuits, unfortunately. And then we talk about compliance. There's a lot of ADA, TCPA, regulatory issues that businesses, not all of them have to deal with as much, but a lot do that are becoming worse and worse. And people are looking for civil remedies for breaches of statutory rules that now a business owner has to deal with. And the last is intellectual property in Mm -hmm. which I brought up the trademark issue Mm -hmm. earlier. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you'll see that right. And in all these different areas, well, I think it's well put as the danger zone, right? That a lot of times when people are busy working, you know, on a daily basis, you know, right down in the, in the trenches, they're not stepping back and thinking about those things. And so it's like you said, a good advisor pointing some of these things out, you don't have to tackle them all at once, but it's good to sort of have that list and understand there's these different areas and focus on them and maybe budget for them, right? Exactly. Take them off in turn. And as I described to people as well, but as you tackle these issues, you're investing in your business. You're actually growing the value of your business. Absolutely. People forget that. They think it's all money out the door. But it's like, as you say, protecting the IP is an asset itself. And it's also avoiding the way you described it, that danger of you know, getting, getting headlocked with a big company or over a trademark is not really why you're, where you want to be. If you secure that trademark and you're moving forward, it's an asset of the business, isn't it? Yep. It's, that's exactly right. You, let's not do everything at once. Let's come up with an 18-month game plan. And we'll triage what's most important and what's most urgent. And then we'll come up with, you know, how soon we need to tackle those things. And then when you're getting them all done, you're adding to the value of your business. You should be sleeping better. And you're right. I mean, we're speaking the same language, JP, but you and I didn't tee this up. You know, we didn't plan this, but but we're on the same page here is because you need to protect your bit. You work so hard for the business. Why not protect it? And when every day you're just putting out fires, putting out fires in the weeds and you never step back it becomes difficult. You're like, I can't think about that stuff. I need to just make payroll. And people congratulate others for starting a business. And I, I'm with that. Hey, let's have a, you know, that's why we have parties and people start business and let's support them. But it's kind of easy to start a business these days, most of the time, right? Unless you're investing a lot of money into like retail, which is essentially dying. But anyway, but it's harder to grow a business. It's, mm-hmm. I mean, growing a business is a real challenge because until you've done it, then you really don't know. You just don't know that there's, this is one area, there's no substitute for experience. Can't have an MBA and just know all the different people issues that are going to come up. And every time you, if you go from two employees to four employees to eight, your business looks different and the communication looks different and the systems. And now you're dealing with time off and accounting issues and so many things change as, as you grow a business. And I think you alluded to this earlier, but that's why a lot of people stop growing their business is, the, is they get comfortable. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but I know a lot of other people don't grow their business because it's just daunting and they're afraid. Yeah. And they don't understand 
really the need for, or as you say, they're in it for the present, which is great. And when I understand how hard people are working to make their business a going concern, but at some point you would think want to be able to do something else as well, or they won't be able to do it forever. And so that's what you've got to prepare them for make sure that they understand that as well. So I, uh, I certainly endorse what you're saying there. You've lived it. I mean, you described how you started to begin with just yourself, right? Hello, podcast friend. I hope you're enjoying this episode of the show. We sure appreciate having you here. I'd like to take a minute to invite you to download a free digital copy of my best-selling book, The Millionaire's Lawyer, Grow and Sell Your Business. It's available for download at jpmacavoy.com. That's jpmcavoy.com. Hope you enjoy the book, and thanks again for joining us on the podcast. Now, back to the show. Talk to us or tell us your own business experience as you started, made that sort of realization about some of the things we're talking about, and then the concrete steps that you took in your own business to move it forward. Sure. So licking my own stamps, right? This is 2011. So still using a fax machine. I told this story the other day because I had forgotten it. I had a, a phone in my office because it was like shared space, but we had my own, my own little office, like eight by eight. Yeah. Right now, since we're all virtual, I, I do wish I had that rent back instead of what I have <laughs> yeah, now. Really? But there was a red light blinking on my phone for three months. And for some reason, I didn't see it. Like it just never registered. And then I saw it one day and I'm like, I can get voicemail on this thing. Like, interesting. <laughs> it was a client trying to hire me that was referred to me. He left me three messages and I was like, oh my, I could have really used, you know, that money and that client. So yeah. did everything myself. I finally got a coach and I finally started reading business books and I realized that it was my own ego getting in the way. And I didn't like ever think about it like that. You know, i consider myself a high achiever, an entrepreneur, but I was so afraid to fail because of what other people would say about me that I wouldn't even hire even a part-time person because what if I can't pay them? Ooh, now everyone's saying, look at Brett, he's a big loser. I had to realize that people are too busy worrying about themselves. They think about you a million times less than, than you think about. And if you're worried about what other people think about you, then you're thinking that people think about you, which is an ego thing. Like no one's thinking about me. They're worried about their own thing. And I finally started hiring someone and JP, I doubled revenue that same mm -hmm. month. That's that what it same is. same month. Yeah. And again, this was early on in my business. I'm happy to share that I was doing 10,000 a month in revenue, and, you know, me, myself and Irene. And I went to 20 that same month. And yeah. I'm like, how's that happen? Is it is a magic unicorn? Is it luck? Well, if you're billing 10 hours and then you bill 20, I'm not a math major, but that's twice as much. And so you know, and it works, but I will give my credit myself credit for one thing. Once I learned that lesson, I didn't say it was a fluke and convince myself. Otherwise, I just kept doing it. I, okay, well, let me hire someone else. Well, then let me hire someone else. And I, I just kept rolling with it. And not everyone you hire is going to work out ever, right? We're always going to have people issues. I've had, you know, attorneys come and go for the most part. I'm glad they went. Now my team is incredible. I would put them up against anyone. We went from just me to 10 attorneys and 22 staff people. And only, and actually we have 23 staff people, only three of which are virtual in other countries, just in case people are, are saying, well, he's only has virtual employees, which is fine. I have a good friend out in San Francisco that has almost 20 people, all virtual doesn't have any overhead in terms of his mm. office and, and imagine in the Bay Area how expensive yeah. and he's growing like wildfire. He's crushing it. I just wish I knew about this option for having really great people in other countries be one of your employees or team members because it is less expensive and it would help people like me who are afraid to hire 
because it seemed like so much money. That's who I like helping. I love helping somebody yeah. say there is another way. Yeah, there certainly is, right? And yeah, that's well said. And there's probably not just another way, there's probably a better way. And that's what we're talking yeah. about here, like doing it better. Clearly things are changing. And when we talk about doing it a better way, we're doing things new ways right now as well. And we're using technology. What are some of the ways that you know, you're know you leveraging technology you know, for, and showing and can tell people the way they ought to be taking advantage of some of the technologies that are available today? Wow, hard hitting question. I've never considered myself a techie or somebody who's on the cutting edge of tech issues. Normally, when I'm an early adopter of some sort of new technology, I had a friend who said it and I'm like, say no more and, and I'll jump in here. So, you know, look, I didn't realize this until the past few years anyway, your phone in your office, your VoIP phone, you can just send that down to somewhere in Mexico, for example, your phone could be answered there. It's going to ring there. And then the person's going to pick up and have a, almost a completely neutral accent if we're doing the finding right. And then say hold 101 and patch you up as if they're in the next office. And mm -hmm. I know that sounds like so simple, but I just want people to understand that's how easy it is these days. It's really that easy. Of course, everyone's seen the Zoom stock skyrocket. So we do all of our meetings virtually using Zoom. We used to tell people you can use Amazon Chime. FaceTime, Zoom, but now it's like, oh yeah, everyone knows about that. But we've been saying this for two years. And of course, there's a lot of good software. One thing I will say for larger businesses, I'm not sure this is good for anyone under like five people. You may not need it, but Zoho has a complete suite of applications that all talk to one another so that you don't have to have a different CRM different case management or business mm -hmm. management software, different project management software, different HR software. It all combines itself through a program they call Zoho One. So it's $30 per user. And I know that is really, really catching on. The other piece that it's not technology, but it's just a system that I believe in is called Traction. It's a pretty powerful tool for organizing teams and businesses and learning how to run your departments in a way that, that the communication flows. Yeah. So looking at technologies and thinking how to use the best ones for your own business, as you say, they're not, you know, not all for all, but to assess the different technologies, because there's a lot of providers right there that again, can help or give us better ways of doing things. So it's very important to be leveraging technology. Yeah. What do things look like, you know, for you and your business in in two years, when we revisit this chat in a couple of years, in two years from now, what do things look like for your business? So the law firm, same, but just bigger. I mean, I, I do think we're going to get to a, a mid-sized firm from 10 attorneys to 20 uh, within the next like three years. And again, that's just because people are realizing that they don't need to go to the big firms and pay the one partner, you know, $600 an hour. And then the four associates under that one partner who are all basically getting, they're all getting double billed. And I'm not shy of saying that because we have had countless, countless clients where we take over a case, we're working our butts off for them and their bill is still a third of, of what it used to be. So, you know, I, think I see that regular, I'm on a conference call and I, I don't understand why there's, you know, five lawyers on the other end of the call. It just depends, you know, who the other side has retained. As you say, a lot of times it's being double and triple billed. That's, yeah. that's clearly occurring. Yeah, absolutely. And look, I'm starting to get people to reach out to me for the past year saying, oh, such and such firm wants to, to buy your firm and bring it in. I think that's because they're, they're seeing the value of firm like ours can actually connect with the business market that's in the middle tiers, right? We're not only dealing with mom and pop startups. We have a lot of 
we have some some billion dollar you know companies that are that are clients but for the most part you know they're in the two to twenty million dollar range and we're able to deal with those clients and help them in a way that big firms can't but that's what my firm is still going to be my firm or our firm you know we have partners and such but because big law firms aren't stroking checks they want to give you a job not buy your business and so look they're getting left behind and I'm happy to be a leader and leaving them behind to be honest with you because legal services should be about the clients you know not not about the firm yeah, well said, Brett, because that is that yeah. is what's going on. As you say, they're getting left behind as well. Even something as simple as the physical space they occupy, right? You're doing things new ways. You're much more lean and mobile than some of these firms. They're in trouble. Some of these big firms are, are occupying all the space and paying, yeah. you know, just in terms of rent, what they're paying in order to keep themselves going when the offices right now are empty. So the model yeah. does have to shift for them as well. I'm sure they'll get there. It's just a question of if they'll get there quickly enough. Yeah. And they have the resources to maneuver. But, you know, as you said, 20 minutes ago, you know, legal arena reacts slowly. So is it going to be too late for them? So I, I love kind of pushing that change in terms of a more, you know, business to business feel than big firm, you know, feel and then get staffed up. I mean, I, like I said, we are absolutely blowing up right now. And yeah, most, you're in a of it, space for sure. most of it, JP is word of mouth. I mean, we, we haven't even scratched the surface in marketing our awareness is very low right now because we're a young company. We just started in 2018 but we're going to start being known by a lot of people because as the marketing budget grows and we're able to get our message out there, it's nice to grow both organically and through marketing. But we're just such a young company that we struck gold. I mean, we landed on something we believed in and it's going well. And I'm getting about a call or text or email per day from someone new reaching out to us to work with us. So obviously something's working. Yeah, you're doing something and you're doing it at the right time. And that's that's business, right? That's the way it is. And you're, yeah. uh, you're certainly putting it together at the right time. Uh, you discussed obviously the firm and get staffed up. What are the ways for people to reach out if they're interested, want to learn more and hit you up for either of these? Yeah, thanks for asking, JP. So in Miami, we have the Tremblay Law Firm. I'm Brett Tremblay, the founder, and it seems like anyone I talk to has a friend or, or someone in Florida, right? So vacation house or whatever. So if you have a, a business owner friend that they need help in, in Florida, we're happy to help. Um, TremblayLaw.com. And for Get Staffed Up, very similar, GetStaffedUp.com. And we have, a you know, every page has contact us now, contact us now. One of our offshore assistants will reach out immediately and and we'll set up a sales call and and explain a little bit more in in detail of of how you can work with us and you know we're we're helping not just lawyers but service businesses really and we're filling your high turnover positions and it sounds pretty cool when i say it that way no it sounds great and it's interesting as people do reach out or as they call they'll uh well they'll they'll get a chance to sample the product as well i'm I'm sure which is kind of one of the neat things about the way that you're doing things so to to follow through which is great from there so we're not being that clever that's pretty obvious then huh (laughs) (laughs) no it's uh, it's great as i say i probably didn't need to even point it out but it's uh uh, sort of interesting (laughs) as people go do that we'll put all that information in, in the uh in the show notes as well brett so people can see that and and dig in a little bit more I'd like to leave these episodes or have these shows be something that help others motivate. Clearly, you've done this and you help clients do it as well. For somebody listening that may be struggling in their current business or, you know, and struggling through, the, you know, these times in particular, what motivates you? What can you say to them to keep them motivated, to keep them online? Well, the main thing I think about is why go through all this, right? And, and to me, life is short. So I don't want to be 80 and be like, I wonder if I could have grown a business, you know, a lot of people like, I'm fine, I'm comfortable. And that's okay. That's for you. But if you feel yourself 
wanting to see what else life has to offer, like you're missing something and you don't want that regret, then life's sure. Why not? I mean, we're, you know, we're not here for very long. And the other thing is there's a book called 80-20 Sales and Marketing by Perry Marshall. I almost feel like it's cheating. It's so good. I listened to the audio and then I bought it and I wish all I did all day was read it and, and use it. I'm not quite there yet, right? We keep, we delegate and then more things come on our plate and we grow. But it makes the point, JP, like you have to get rid of 80% of the things you're doing and focus on the 20% that are making you more money or that you're enjoying more because that is going to multiply your output and then you do it again and then you do it again and you're creating jobs, you're creating momentum, you're changing the world. Let's just be honest. It's easier to change the world with a lot of resources than with few resources. It's not impossible, but it's just easier. So, you know, those two things combined keep us going. And that's what I would say to someone else looking for motivation. Perfect. I can't imagine anyone saying that even better. And we hear the 80-20 all the time, but as you describe it there, and obviously further describe, you said it's the 80-20 sales and marketing. Who, what was the author? Perry Marshall. Perry Marshall. We'll put that in as well for people. That's that's great stuff, Brett. We really appreciate you being on the show, coming down and talking to us today. Obviously, interesting times. Uh, we look forward to an update in the future. Uh, as you say, we'll check in for that on that maybe that two-year point as well to see if the growth has occurred and what the get staff looks like two years hence as well. I would love it. And JP, I hope Florida is safe someday soon for you to come back to. I, I know you, you come to Orlando often. So, uh, you know, hope to have you back. Stay safe. And thanks for having me on the show. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you soon, Brett. Thanks for listening to The Millionaire's Lawyer. Please subscribe and rate on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. To get your business millionaire assessed and to access the wide variety of resources that we offer in addition to this podcast, go to jpmcavoy.com. That's jpmcavoy.com.